Hello and welcome back to the Unplugged Debate in the new year. From everyone at the Unplugged Debate, we wish you a happy new year. This year, we're looking to get your feedback on the podcast itself. So if you want to come join us on Instagram and Twitter, we're at Unplugged Me. And on Facebook and Reddit, we're at the Unplugged Debate. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your views. Please get in touch. Until then, let's get back into the podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Unplugged Debate. On this podcast, we delve into the ideas surrounding human interaction with both nature and technology, talking to people about their time in the outdoors, starting from when they were younger all the way through to present day, developing a picture on who and what motivates them to be outside and why they do the things they do in the outdoors, crossing over into talking about their technology usage and how that's changed throughout their life, and speaking to them about the different types of technology they use on a day-to-day basis from their mobile phones to their running shoes. Once we've developed a good picture of them, we incorporate that into how they think technology has changed their outlook on life and their time in the outdoors. And finishing with how they think technological development has changed society on a wider scale. So hello and welcome. So on today's podcast, we have Arnav. Uh, Arnav is a student of computer science at, in New Delhi in India. Um, he has his own podcast called Drag and Downforce. He has spent a lot of time in the great outdoors in, in and around New Delhi, but also is quite close to the Himalayan hills um, and some really nice hot deserts. Just is it further south, is it, the, the hot deserts? Yeah, the southwestern-ish from New Delhi. That is. Ah, okay, cool. It's really nice to meet you. Um, how's the podcast going? The podcast is going great. Like for now, um, considering it just started out, I think uh, two weeks ago. So from for that in mind, I'm getting pretty good at it. I'm getting the hang of podcasts. Obviously, your listeners will be able to gauge that I'm still quite new to this space, but. At the same time, I'm really happy with my podcast. A small fun fact, my podcast ranked second on Apple Podcasts in the new shows category recently. Oh, fantastic. Well, well done. That's a good effort. Thank you. And uh, I, I just saw your uh, your artwork on one of your emails. And it looks, that looks pretty cool as well. So, well, congratulations on getting second in the new podcasts. Thank you. Um, so... Let's get down to uh, a little bit about um, sort of what sort of things do you do as a as a young lad, and and who sort of inspired you to be in the outdoors. Um, as a young lad, you know, one of the things um, that I'd say, quote unquote, inspired me was pretty much, um, you know, my dad, because back in his college days, he was basically um, in his a mountaineering group in his college because you know when you're in north india you're so close to the mountains a lot of colleges especially old colleges have their own mountaineering clubs mm-hmm. and later he became the captain of his mountaineering club or whatever the post is actually called i forget 
but then he joined the IHA the Indian Himalayan Academy so there he actually did like uh, climbing and stuff but he never he and his friend group never really climbed beyond like 5000 meters mm. or max to max 5500 ish because after that you know when you go beyond a point um going beyond 6000 6000 meters and beyond when you look at that then you're getting into the stereotyped image of the himalayas with the you know the coat and coat white canvas with the mm. snow capped mountains completely white landscape and that is basically the biggest slippery hole you do one mountain then you feel like okay i can do that as well i can do that as well and then you try and everything and well that was also the time when uh, in the early 2000s i was also born 2003 mm. and then yeah he just left it um and he basically began exploring his corporate life more um it was like i promise it was not family or anything it was just like his personal choice we didn't influence it but um when i heard about it and throughout since i was a kid i actually went out with him uh, to mm. various stations if anybody of your list if anyone in your listening uh, in anyone in your listenership if they know india even a little bit or the himalayas in general they, they would actually uh, know the specific very famous hill stations that is shimla manali mansuri and there is if you talk about faith like hindu faith there's also the kedarnath temple recently like 4 5 years back there was a flood uh, over there that uh, and still to uh, till today around 18000 or 15000 people are still missing in that flood so that was a gruesome flood uh, mm. really like entire to north india was shaken by that flood but uh, coming back to the point i have been to almost all of these um, unfortunately i'm uh, a little far away from that painting or so not painting the photo that is framed over there but mm. behind me on that wall there's actually a painting not a painting i'm why am i saying painting again it's a photo that uh, mm. there are two photos that one my dad took and one i took this is uh, of a trek near jagatsukh like near manali in a small area jagatsukh mm-hmm. um so it the trek's name technically is jagatsukh chika chika is the um chika means a cliff or a cliff side in the local dialect basically it's a trek that is very close like dangerously close but still beautifully dangerous like mm-hmm. that sort of situation it's very close to the bias river when it is coming out of the himalayas when it's emerging out of the himalayas and if you want it i can send you the picture as well but um, back in his college days my dad went there and sometime later uh, like very recently i think in 2019 uh, april of 2019 or may of 2019 i went there hmm. with my dad and my mom so one photo is taken when in his college days and one is taken in 2019 and i for now when we came back and we got the new one framed then i was able to put the two pictures side by side and tell the difference now both those pictures are one is in my room the other one is rotating around the house sometimes mm. it's in the living room sometimes it's my dad's room but the thing is 
and now i cannot point out the difference anymore because the the picture uh, because the podcasting is a audio only medium uh, we don't have a video situation in podcasts hmm. uh, so to the listeners i would describe the picture that there is this uh, point in the trek where you're crossing the river right before it gets to the dam like the dam uh, is basically quite um, i i cannot really explain it in words pretty much the dam is slight a uh, little far away but it's like a underwater kind of thing dam it's mm-hmm. like a waterfall that has been converted into a dam you can kind yeah. of think about that it's a very small waterfall a shallow one like a 10 feet 20 feet waterfall that is now converted into a small dam mm-hmm. and right before it hits the dam there is a bridge over the uh, a small handmade narrow bridge medium in length yeah. very narrow that only one person can go over it uh, like if you are uh, going towards the top and somebody is coming back from the summit you cannot cross each other at the same time on the bridge only one person in one direction that's that's the situation on that bridge it is you you might think it's dangerous but it actually is not dangerous it's it's slightly shaky but i have seen shakier bridges uh i have seen very shaky bridges um but when you're on that bridge and you're actually uh, pan the camera towards the origin point of bias even though the bias river's original point is not visible but you can mm-hmm. see where the if you point it against the flow of the water basically you would actually find this beautiful view uh of grasslands on both sides the river flowing uh, between it between both the cliffs mm-hmm. and in between the cliffs there is a white smoke capped mountain like i will i will send you the picture you can actually make it the it's so good you can actually make it the podcast artwork pretty yeah. much it's that good um like it was it is a beautiful picture the only difference uh, that I, i remember is the rock formations that occur in uh, the water mm. because it, the river is heading towards a waterfall so the river gets a little shallow so there are big rocks that are poking out of the river so back in the day the water was a lot more fierce when there was no dam it was a direct waterfall yeah. after the dam has been built it's not that fierce uh, so a lot more of the rocks a lot more of the bedrock is visible yeah. i wouldn't say it's a day and night difference it's a hardly any different uh, i cannot differentiate between both the pictures anymore like it's that slight but it is there i hope <laughs> um but the thing is that like that i have done that trek i have done pretty much 90% of all the famous treks you can mm-hmm. find uh in the himalayas that are in the, in the safe range safe range for a beginner like that sorts i'm not my dad's level yet i don't think i'll ever be but that was the main the initial kick but um over time i actually sustained it because you know i noticed that the indian education system is actually a lot more hectic compared to maybe the uk and definitely 100 times or 200 times more hectic than the united states mm. that is why you'd actually see a lot of indians go there for higher education because we have cleared the big main hurdles here because you know it does the, the education system does become very competitive when the population size gets big mm. so we have 
cleared this competition so it's easier for us to get jobs elsewhere outside as well but the thing is the main point is that you know i uh, the education system is so hectic that yeah you're actually sitting in one place in the same room for like six hours seven hours eight hours or a lot of my friends pulling all-nighters like every two days or three days there's one all-nighter so that sort of things happen and when i went to college i've chosen computer science a job or you can say a, a a sect in or a branch of engineering where you're supposed to be most of the time sitting behind a computer screen so yeah it's it's actually i sustained it because i wanted some activity in my life yeah. i'll probably never go into the high mountains but yeah sure the foothills i'm all for it it's nice that you call them foothills and and then high mountains because they're, they're yeah. obviously being being from the uk we only have small little peaks nothing nothing too major nothing over two thousand meters so <laughs> so and then obviously if you go to france and stuff you're sort of hitting three thousand meters but then you know you're talking about um for five thousand and above you sort of it's degrees of scales so you're talking you know and and as a young kid you were going into these areas as well so um yeah and you probably done more mountaineering than lots of other <laughs> other people that would call themselves mountaineers <laughs> in the uk you know um yeah so there's a there's a larger risk of, of when you go into those bigger hills um so uh, it was quite interesting so you were saying that um, obviously your dad was the biggest proponent, and and so you you um you were saying in the chat just beforehand that you were you if you could, if you went to um what city was it that you were saying, uh, Lashka was it, Leh, Leh. Ladakh. Ladakh. Yeah, Ladakh. sorry, um, and the, if you had your shirt off, you could get pneumonia and heat stroke at the same time. Yeah, like Ladakh is a cold desert, basically. Like it's a, it's in a weird geographical position. Like its geographical state is like it is like hardly describable. Like uh, the thing is with Ladakh is that it's in a rain shadow, basically. Mm-hmm. The mountains, the Himalayan mountains, form a circle around the region of Ladakh in a way that the rain clouds collide with the mountains and rain below Ladakh. It, the, it hardly rains in Ladakh. Mm. And a lot of times uh, during the year, it rains, I think, like 10 times or five times an entire mm. year. And it's considered a risky situation in Ladakh. On an average, it rains like once or twice in the entire year. It's that sort of situation there. And if it doesn't rain one or two times during the year, everybody has rain harvesting over there. So you had to actually send tankers 8,000 meters or 6,000 meters above the sea level from the from the plains, from uh, areas like New Delhi and Chandigarh, all the way up there by road. <laughs> because you cannot carry water or other supplies with a plane because those big commercial airliners, those can't get there. Only the small ones with propellers like those kind of like Learjet kinds, those kinds can get mm-hmm. there. And in Learjets, you can't really convert them to carry any cargo pretty much. So 
you you've obviously chosen computer science and stuff did, did was it ever a thought that crossed your mind to be a mountain guide um for foreigners or or for even your own countrymen or anything along those lines um yeah the, um, i i never thought of this as a job or whatever hmm. but you see uh, new delhi is close to the mountains but it's not even that close for uh, like um, i can say that the distance between wales and scotland is basically the distance between new delhi to let's say the nearest mountain mountainous area mm. i'd say um, i'd nominate kasoli for that because like it's just what just one one and a half hours away from chandigarh is still in the plains so if you think in that regard it takes me around 6 to 7 hours to get to kasoli that is the like the lowest like the it's a small town mm. that falls between when you go when you're traveling from delhi to shimla for those people in your listenership who know shimla they would know what i'm talking about mm. that is the first township that comes when you're going up to the mountains or for any big treks mm-hmm. you would find a lot of trails in kasoli because it's not as high as shimla it's it's fairly low a lot of people from chandigarh when they have like their winter vacations and stuff they just go to kasoli and they come back for two days or something hmm. it's, yeah yeah it's degrees of scale again because <laughs> you can travel yeah. you can travel the whole of the uk in in sort of 12 hours by car if you wanted to maybe you're talking yeah. six hours to go into ma- uh, to the mountains and stuff and then and then you could go even further so it, yeah and I, I guess that's a short trip for you as well if if you were to talk about that it's it's short as long as you're not the one driving so <laughs> it's it's short <laughs> uh, like the thing with that is like um, you know that when you're going to that heights like i don't have any problem with languages because a lot of the people think that you know hindi is majorly spoken in northern india but hindi in itself has a lot of dialects hmm. if you look at the area, the region of bihar in india bihar alone has like five dialects of hindi which sound similar but when you go down to the meanings it means completely different thing so something in adjacent areas of bihar like slightly outside bihar in let's say uttar pradesh compared to bihar the same sentence would mean completely different thing in bihar and in uttar pradesh that that's the situation hmm. and when you talk about mountains main all the main um, you can say tourist locations mm mm-hmm. are basically in uttarakhand and himachal pradesh these are the two states in india where it is and both the states yeah i know the dialects i, I am that well versed with the situation now mm-hmm. but i know the dialects i know them by heart um we even got like uh, the special headgear headwear for from himachal pradesh as a souvenir from the locals not not for not from a shop or anything mm-hmm. from the locals as a gift um the thing is that where the situation is i don't think i would be able to travel that far first off and second off i never really thought of that because obviously when you're thinking of a career um, a lot of times you're thinking about how much how good it is financially mm. so financially speaking it's not really that good plus if i was a tourist guide at let's say new delhi new delhi if you ever come to new delhi new delhi is filled with 
like so many different monuments because new delhi was the place like i'd say the past 75 years of india's independence like the india's independent since india has been independent from 1947 to right now 2021 and soon to be 2022 in those entire years and before that the 100 200 years of the british government these past like 300 or so years have been the most stable 300 years in the history of new delhi because if you go into history there was this thing not like the emperor of india was different from the delhi sultanate mm-hmm. the delhi would always have that sort of situation like every 50 years 60 years there would be a new government there would be a new war the delhi is overtaken some other government they're going to build something another person comes in destroys that build something else in its place mm-hmm. so that thing keeps happening so even in new delhi being a tourist guide in new delhi is a lot more favorable for me but again it comes down to a place where i live in a place which is not only just the national capital but it's the national capital of the largest democracy going by population mm-hmm. and there are 25 million people out here and there are people from way poorer families who are ready to work at way poorer wage rate you know so the competition is high second there are people who are ready to work full time i was not ready to work full time because mm. i wanted to do college so maximum i could do is part time and i would charge a lot more than the regular tourist guides and if i wanted to be quote unquote in business i would have to reduce my fee so much so that it wouldn't even be worth it mm. for me you know so that's why i never really thought of this in this direction fair enough i i just asked this because obviously um you you've spent an awful lot of time in those in that mountainous area and and it sounds like yeah. you're uh, very keen on on that sort of thing so that's that's why i asked that sort of question yeah moving on just uh to your how old are you I am uh, I just turned 18 on 12th February this year 2021 that is. Well very 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 <laughs> welcome to the adult world. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I still don't have my license oh. thanks to covid. <laughs> You'll get it at some point I'm, I'm still sure. going on learning license it's about to it's about, my learning license is about to expire. I'm thinking like what am I going to do? Like if college is open offline like I can't travel anymore. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get it. Just 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 be patient. It'll be fine. Yeah. So you've sort of grown up um with technology. So as you've grown up, have you how have you seen technology change in your in your life? Um I'd say that you know um being a 2000 kid is very different than being a 2000 kid in India pretty much. Okay. Because I'll I'll explain it a little bit. India globalized as in opened its doors to all companies from anywhere in the world to trade and work in India in 1991 mm-hmm. and that was the time we only did that because before that before 1990 we were pretty much very socialistic in nature pretty much okay and that is why we were good friends with the russia the russia even helped us the ussr back then even helped us 
uh, in the 1971 war when the uk and the us who were on pakistan's side mm -hmm. they decided they're going to send their naval fleets and uh, to combat our navy and support pakistan russia sent their nuclear submarines from uh, from across the asia like they crossed japan through the pacific ocean down to the indian ocean mm -hmm. and they stopped them right there in tracks and russia said if anybody wants to get to india they're only getting through us mm -hmm. that is the reason like russia and india were really good friends after the fallout of soviet union and india also uh, leaving not not being completely socialistic anymore we're still socialistic but we're no longer capitalistic or socialistic we're more like a mixed economy mm -hmm. and that is why like india russia relationship it, it's getting a little off topic but india russia relationship as well is no longer that unconditional it's 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 still really good mm. but it's not like that unconditional one right it was kind of like a miniature nato back in the day yeah like attack on one is attack on all that's sort of situation so sort of thing uh, but coming back to the point here yeah uh, the thing was that uh, with with me uh, being in being in the 2000s born in the 2000s through the 90s we were not really that big of an economic power because we were still struggling economically we were we were on the recovery phase mm -hmm. when we hit the 2000s that was the point when basically you know um everything changed if you think about this that uh, if a, a kid born in 2003 in let's say america would have a very different mindset with born in a 2003 born in india hmm. because if you think about it facebook was launched in i think 2005 2008 reddit came out in 2007 and then soon came whatsapp in 2013 twitter and everything and then chaos ensued over the internet but before all that happened you know i personally when i was a kid all i knew was facebook because facebook was like a big wave kind of thing mm -hmm. uh and i know every kid in my class in in school every kid every single kid in my class everybody had a fake facebook account i say fake because everybody faked their birth date mm -hmm. the date was the same they just backtracked the year mm -hmm. even till today i think if if i've not corrected it I, if you go on to my facebook you will still see my birth date as 12th february 1992 instead of 2003 <laughs> so technically <laughs> you're older than me then <laughs> yeah because if you go by that then i'm older than you but you know basically what i'm trying to the point i'm trying to make is that i didn't know what reddit was i still didn't my reddit account i think was made in 2019 after i found out that reddit about reddit in 2015 hmm. 2015 2016 I, i thought that reddit is just a place where all the memes originate and like, yeah whatever but then when i understood reddit deeply i i made my account there in 2019 that would be 2019 but like if you look at it in a certain sense i did i uh, didn't know what discord was until 2018 as well hmm. so uh, like somebody like me Uh, if you're born in the early 2000s it's more like you're born in uh an, an indian born in the early 2000s is more like in terms of behavior and mentality a american or a englishman born in let's say uh 1995 to 1999 yeah 
because there was this gap of technology originating and then getting it getting to us there was a slight gap mm-hmm. in that now obviously if you look at hardware some hardware there is a slight gap for example i'd say something because we're both on a podcast uh i'm going to mention audio interfaces okay audio interfaces very basic thing in podcasting an audio interface that costs 100 dollars in the united states actually net net costs around 120 125 dollars in india basically uh, that is because there's taxes and shipping included mm. that is a problem so and i personally didn't know that there were any indian brands who were making audio interfaces that are just if you look at this is this is this can be said as indian promoting an indian brand but whatever but there is this there's this indian brand you can censor it if you want to its name is vault mm-hmm. v a u l t and they are making audio interfaces slightly cheaper like right like around 60 dollars Com- and they can be said comparable to focus right audio interfaces the only difference being that there are two mm. inputs instead of focus rights solo that has one input at the same price roughly okay so that is the only difference so that's interesting that you're saying that you you know, there was uh, there was a lag behind so you sort of uh, I, i'm a i was born in 93 so you know just before just before the sort of technology really took off and obviously i'm looking at it from a british view where lots of people lots of children that were born in the 2000s were born with uh, born into smartphones basically they were on the cusp of that so you're saying that um being from india and growing up in the 2000s it was sort of like living where you just were on the cusp of starting to have lots of technology in there so this it's it's, inter- it's interesting for me to to see it from that angle um because obviously where where we don't where cultures don't talk to each other or don't mix that often you don't find these things out so it's interesting for me to to talk to you about that so when so when did it sort of all start picking up for you then um and you chose to go into sort of computer um i'd say um there were a lot of factors in it the first was that i owned a phone my first phone when i was 3 years old and it's not because i was the lover of technology or whatever or i uh, coaxed my parents into buying me a phone it was one of those nokia brick phones yeah right it, i was when i was 3 years old it was 2006 so it was just one year before uh, iphones launch so that was 2006 uh, it was a nokia phone a small brick phone not the 3310 some other version that i forgot number but like that was the era when you know phones could be actually be used as self defense weapons you know <laughs> like like you you if you are getting mugged in some random in some random alleyway in new delhi back in the day you could actually throw your phone to somebody's head and you would be arrested for attempt to murder now you can't do that you know you can no longer do that now like i have owned a nokia brick phone and i straight up went to an indian android company micromax and then i didn't stay there for long because my grades were improving mm. 
my dad was happy with it and got me a motorola g2 mm-hmm. that's how basically my smartphone journey went but the reason i had the phone at three year old had a phone because i had this tendency that i i was like a i was like a wild mm. horse like a horse when you let the horse go in a open grassland the horse is going to go in the direction wherever he is going to see greener grass the same was with me if i'm feeling hungry you know uh, if let's say we're in we're at a wedding i'm seeing i'm feeling hungry i spot a buffet somewhere in in the venue i'm not going to tell my mom like mom mom i want food i'm just going to let go of the hand and i'm going to walk mm. there i want food i'm going and then my mom would be my mom would be looking for me so then when i was 3 years old when i was finally you know my parents thought that yes this kid can now understand numbers i mugged up my mom's number i had that small nokia phone with me so my mom would call me up or i would call up my mom my mom where are you and i was like mom i want food <laughs> like, like, i'm at the buffet and then my mom would come over there like why did you leave and i was like i was hungry that that sort of thing happened with me a lot of mm. times so that is the reason i got a phone and now personally i i can you can kind of call me a very lucky person because not only that actually uh catapulted my journey into technology but that also kind of uh my journey into technology was also diversified by luck i'm going to tell you how there's this uh lucky draw called known as cp festival mm-hmm. okay cp is the short form for connaught place it's a shopping center that was built by the british uh when the british were in delhi when i think uh, in 19 20s when it had been only 10 15 years since delhi mm-hmm. was declared the new capital of india um and from there they built this sort of marketplace in concentric rings there were there are shops if you ever come to new delhi that's that you you go there you feel like home pretty much like it's entirely british architecture it feels like you're sort of the investmentster if you ignore the auto rickshaws but the thing is uh that that connaught place is now called cp in in short because a lot of people mm-hmm. cannot spell connaught in english so everybody shortened it to cp now the metro station over there this is slightly weird for a lot of people but the metro station metro is like kind of like the tube in london but the metro is majorly 80% of the time elevated and then mm-hmm. 20% of the time underground so around cp and new delhi the central delhi area it's underground apart from everywhere else nobody cares about the outlook everybody when they come to delhi they're only talking about central delhi so the government was like everybody cares about the landscape of central delhi so in central delhi we're going to keep it underground outside of that we don't care save money make it elevated or something like that this is what my assumption is basically but the uh, when you the metro station is for some reason named rajiv chowk instead of connaught place but whatever uh in cp there's this thing there's this uh, sort of festival cp festival a part of it is a lucky draw so if you purchase something of at least 1000 rupees from select stores in cp you actually get a chance uh, to fill up a slip and enter the lucky draw now the thing with me is that i kind of i don't know if you would call it cheating but uh, i bought a jacket from there a black and white jacket i didn't know it was one of the selected uh, like uh, selected 
shops because the thing about CP Festival is they don't advertise which right. shops are a part of it and which which shops are not. That is the part of the mystery. So I bought a jacket mm-hmm. for three thousand rupees. So technically, I was with my mom. So we got three slips. One was obviously filled by me. The second was filled by my mom. Hmm. I and my mom were now thinking what to do with the third slip. So my mom recommended, okay, you can fill the third slip. I filled the third slip. <laughs> Am I freaking one? So technically, you know, technically, I actually had filled two slips. But the fact that I had the money to buy two slips kind of makes it even. But today, I in that lucky draw, when I finished first in 2016, uh, I received this iPhone 6S, rose gold, unfortunately. But I, I wanted a silver one, but rose gold is just as fine. 16 GB iPhone 6S. And now, as soon as people hear 16 GB, they kind of <laughs> feel my pain because, yeah, 16 GB in today's yeah. world is abysmally slow or abysmally low. You know, I can't hardly store anything, like, you know. But anyway, like, you know, I got this um, iPhone 6S and, you know, I got this for free pretty much. Like, you know, if you ignore that I had bought a jacket for 3000 but apart from that, this phone was 62,000 rupees Jeez. back then in 2016. And for five years, I have been using this. I don't know if you can see it on camera, but if I mm. if I put it close enough, actually see the edges mm. of the tempered glass is actually slight weight. Let me just uh, change. Uh, let me just remove my uh, filter. I think, yep, that should be it. You can see the edges of the tempered glass are chipped mm-hmm. if you actually see it that is chipped because this tempered glass has been on this phone for the past almost six years now because it's going to complete its six years in third on 13th january 2022 the mm. fact that i remember this is a big thing i, I remember the date i remember the situation i was called to a uh, restaurant in in cp and for some reason, I had never been to that restaurant. And over there, they had this big sort of a cube in which there were a lot of slips. And they asked me to choose the next winner. But apart from that, mm. this is this was what I got from there. And this has been with me for six years, almost now. I was trying to get a new phone this time because of the New Year sale. But Amazon India just decided they're not going to have a New Year sale at least not that big as last year. So like, yeah, that, that is pretty much in the water. Mm. I think God wants me to complete six years with this phone or something. But yeah, whatever it is, this phone has one of, been one of my prized possessions. The reason I called it a diversification of my technology was because all the mm. other phones are on Android. This was my first iOS phone, basically. So now I have ventured my way into iOS as well. Oh, and personal preference, iOS is better than Android. If you had asked me two years, three years back, I would have said Android for the win. But now the affordable phones actually have the bloatware mm. and the ads that I don't like. So I just prefer the iOS for its cleaner look. That's pretty much all of it. Um, you know, the cleaner look is all to it. The reason I like iOS. Other than that, if you think about it, the hardware is just 
the reason iPhone wins every time is that it's the dedication. If you look at the cameras, the hardware is very weak, but the way they train the camera, it's so good that it beats out their 16 megapixel, 18 megapixel camera hardware beats out like 108 megapixel mm. Samsung S21 Ultra in some situations. So, you know, that software is a big thing. That is when I understood, yeah, yeah, software is a big thing. But before 2016, there was this movie in 2010 that came out, Tron Legacy. It was was an absolute blast of fresh air. If you look at the clips from Tron Legacy today, apart from this character Clue, who was basically the younger version of Jeff Bridges, apart from his face, Everything in CGI is absolutely mm. amazing. It beats out even modern films in terms of CGI, a lot of them. And, you know, it, I personally loved it. I personally loved the plot because I was a kid at that time because I was seven years old. And the idea mm. that the protagonist gets sucked into a game, gets digitized into a game and then gets stuck there. And then his son comes in and you know tries to save him <laughs> i won't spoilers. tell you what happens in the end because there could be some people who haven't mm-hmm. watched the film i'm not gonna spoil it no spoilers here but it, it was the situation that yeah that was that is pretty cool i wonder how softwares work for a long time i thought that when i maybe type something on the keyboard the signal is traveling to the cpu in the form of motorbikes like in drone <laughs> That's cool. Like, when I was a kid, I thought like that. But uh, soon, like that movie is also kind of responsible for the reason that I actually um, have like collaborated with a couple of my four or five school friends. Mm-hmm. And we are, going, we are going for a startup pretty much in game development itself. Okay, cool. So that movie had a big effect, me, effect on me. You know, that, that was a pretty big thing. yeah but so i mean that's what's really driven you to join in with uh the computer science and and really so it's sort of watching these films in, inspired you and then obviously getting your phone as well it, yeah. it's uh it's driven you down this path that you're on um and so so has that sort of taken you as you've got older you know you do say you still go out has your technology use and, and your want to join into computer science taken you away from the outdoors? And do you feel like you have a balance between the two? Um, if you ignore this time of COVID and stuff, um, before this, you know, I joined college in 2021 itself. I joined in 20, on 29th November, 2021. So, uh, in that regard, yes, I have not been a computer science student for that long. But mm. yes, before that, um, I was also learning Python, etc. So I was kind of like doing whatever a computer science student would do before being a computer science student. Mm-hmm. But the thing was with me that I'd say it was the experience that, um, you know, was different you can kind of say then yeah i did get now thinking about it uh this was yeah like 
I was able to balance it. I, I, I like to think that way, but at the same time, being a computer science student, I seldom also think that how could we improve certain technology related to, let's say, mountaineering hmm. or trekking. For example, this, uh, there's this micro niche uh, group of people who hide caches, mm -hmm. C-A-C-H-E-S, caches. Mm -hmm. It's called geocaching. So it's basically like uh, there's... Uh, a person takes a uh, some kind of container, metal, plastic, doesn't matter. They put a coin, a geo coin, that has ba that basically is a chip that uh, broadcasts GPS network. They put it in. They put some other stuff in it. It doesn't matter if it's a picture or whatever. That is basically that picture or whatever or coins or statue or whatever you put in there, whatever artifact you put in there, that counts as the cash mm -hmm. along with the coin. And then you close the container and hide it anywhere in the world, pretty much, wherever you can hide. But it's your headache to maintain it. Like it should stay there. It's not like you leave it in the Himalayas and then there is some blizzard or a landslide and now it's gone. Nobody mm -hmm. knows where the hell it is. The guy follows the GPS signal. It's right here, there. It's supposed to be there, but it's now, you know, 20, 20 30 feet under the ground. So now there, now it, it can't be completed. So it's so you have to take the headache of maintaining it where it is. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, it it is something that you know is pretty amazing. As mm -hmm. if you think about technology merging with the outdoors, you know, I because your podcast is about outdoors merging with technology. I'm sure a lot of your listeners would already know what geocaching is. Um, and to those who don't know, you really got a good hobby right here. Hmm. You know, like I have found like people, like a lot of people, like, I don't know why they've done that, but I have, on, there's actually an official app for geocaching. There's literally the app is named geocaching and it gives you the location of all caches. Now, only some of them are actually available for uh, if you, if you are actually using it for free, if you want to pay a subscription fees but apart from that i'd say that mm. the app is pretty good like um there are a lot of i have noticed like a lot of people have hidden their caches in the open pretty much like uh some roads or some park in the open that kind of stuff is a little weird uh, for me personally and i've also noticed this one thing that with the rise of Instagram and Facebook and other social media, I've also noticed this, that nobody actually, when, when you're supposed to complete the geocache, the fact that you've reached there, you're supposed to tag the coin, you're supposed to take the tag on the coin, uh, mm. tag the location, and you're supposed to click a picture to claim it to the world that, yes, I have found it. And also, if you can, you can put a review, basically how hard it was, what kind of, uh, how you got there and stuff like that. You are supposed to try not to give spoilers, but I've seen on like really extremely hard ones that are rated like very like mm. the top of their rating, like I think five stars or something. Those a lot of people just to like because a lot of people think that you know I am a pro at this before they even start and they decide I'm gonna go for an extreme rating one. Mm. So a lot of people who are experienced who have a brain have actually given some spoilers intentionally. Just so that that 
beginner's ego is not hurt <laughs> but in general you're not supposed to give spoilers and yeah but with the rise of instagram etc i have never seen people actually tag me the picture people people just click the selfie and that selfie goes to instagram it doesn't go to the app it goes to the, it goes to instagram or facebook or something which is a little weird but you know technology basically even outside the gps there's a lot of technology you would need, you would use when you would actually be going to treks or even a geocaching adventure like if you want to go for easy geocaches just like look at the surrounding area check for geocaching in the surrounding area get your bicycle skateboard whatever if you don't have any of that if you're broke like me you can walk <laughs> um, like i did so yeah like it's it's easy to start but be aware you should not be aware that you don't fall through the rabbit hole because it's a long rabbit hole it's a big money pit yeah i'm i'm sure it is when you think of the equipment that you'll need as well the technology and the equipment is like in your boots and in your waterproofs and, and things mm. like that one of my guests has pointed that out is that you you're not only just thinking of the meld of digital technology it's talking about you know um how much research and development you can get done these days where um we're talking I'm talking in the UK, you're talking in India, and if we're developing a product, we can actually make something happen quickly without sort of having to wait three weeks for a bit of post to come through and something. So it's interesting what you were saying, and I'm going to pick up on it, was that you're talking about um, sort of that meld between the outdoors and technology. So what? how do you see the future happening? Uh, you know, your opinion, your perspective... You know, how is it going to change our modern society and and how are we going to move forward with it? I'd say the first few changes in technology um, are probably going to happen to GPS. As we all know, that the human race, no matter how much you tell them that it's bad for space junk, they're still going to be sending loads and loads of satellites up there. And as the number of satellites increase, the areas that are either A, uncharted, B, they are uh, not charted properly, or C, the maps are not updated, those will get updated. For example, I'd give you a very small example. Um, you know, in, in my locality, in my neighborhood itself, I'm not going to go into the Himalayas now, in my neighborhood itself, there is uh, the road on which my house is, it's directly connected to a main mm -hmm. six-lane, eight-lane road. There is another uh, opening into that same uh, main road, but it has been blocked by the owner of mm. the houses, both, both the houses on either side of that road. They decided that one day that, yep, the cars are going to and fro from here and it's causing noise. There's traffic jams because that area is narrow. So we're just going to build a gate and we're going to get it closed. Um, and they got it closed. Now on Google Maps or any map app, even Apple Maps, Google Maps, everywhere, that route, even though it's closed, still shows as open. It still mm -hmm. recommends if you're coming from that direction to turn left because it, it's there's nothing on the left. There's a big black gated road. But the the gate is the gate is big enough that it can stop a bulldozer coming at 100 kilometers an hour. 
and yet you're going to tell me to turn left. And when you turn left, now, as soon as you've turned left, this is a six lane, eight lane road. Now you cannot turn back straight without hmm. causing a crash. So that's a big problem. So first thing I'd say is that the GPS situation is going to become better. Second off, I'd say GPS is going to see better technological advancements, even to the point that I think we might even see 3D maps. Because if Google Earth is possible, if Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 can have the entire map of the world for you to fly through in uh, planes virtually, then I'm pretty sure GPS technology is not that far that you can actually make 3D maps possible on phones. And you know, as, especially it, it also goes with phone hardware because if you look at phone like the Asus ROG phones, like those phones, like that phone is more powerful than my PC and my friend's PC combined. That phone has more RAM. <laughs> 18 GBs of RAM, 20 GBs of RAM, those phones are insane. Like my, my PC, this full-fledged PC has eight GBs of RAM and I can still use everything I want. Imagine what I can do with 18 GBs of RAM in my phone. Hmm. You know, it, this can render uh, Google Maps and Google Earth and everything pretty much in between. It can, it, I'm pretty sure because I'm running on integrated graphics, it's, it cannot run Microsoft Flight Simulator. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure that, you know, the direction we are going phones with phones like R Asus ROG phones, which have 18 GBs, 20 GBs of RAM and like insane, like the, it, you can kind of call it the cutting edge of phone technology. If you can make these sort of technological advancements, making them cheap enough that you can actually put them on sale, I'm I'm thinking the next 10, 20, 30 years, we can have that level of technology in mid-range or even budget phones. You might see that happening, you know, 20, 30 years down mm. the line. So that is possible, first off. Uh, second off, I'd say moving along from GPS, I'd say that there would be, um, there's this notion about metaverse that everybody's going to be connected. I'd say metaverse, in my opinion, it can go both ways. One way that everybody's thinking it's going and the other way that it's very similar to how people say you know, you, uh, that you can buy one square foot of land in Scotland and become a land and maybe that, that kind of ad is going around everywhere on YouTube. Like that, and uh, if you don't know about that website, it's a million dollar homepage.com. It was a college student mm -hmm. in UK who wanted to pay his college fees. He, he didn't have money. He bought a website with that domain name. It's still on. And on there, he had a thousand pixels by thousand pixels. That is a million pixels. And you can buy one pixel for your advertisement for $1. In 10 days, in less than 10 days, he sold all the pixels. He made a million dollars. Now, I don't know how many of you have heard that. There's this app known as Calm app, helps in guided meditation. Mm -hmm. That app is made by the same student from that $1 oh, million. Really? really? That, that is how the future went for that dude. So, you know, in these kind of scenarios and the companies who invested in that website's pixels, never saw the return on their $1. So that means they didn't even get $1 of sales after they invested there. 
so you know the this, the point i'm trying to make is in metaverse either it's it's going to be revolutionary mm-hmm. or it's just another another sort of a um scam or go i want i don't want to use the word scam but it's another way of just making mark zuckerberg even more richer mm-hmm. than he already is it can go both ways but the way i uh, but you know, either if it's a gimmick or not the one thing that is going to happen is that the connect- connectivity is going to be increased we already see jackets that have heated heating in them you know heating wiring in them yeah. a lot of jackets appear on the market that you can wear and you can feel the heat um i'd say i'd say the jackets would go they're called smart jackets i'd say they these smart jackets are going to go beyond that and beyond leds you'll probably have microchips in there or something like that or gps trackers or something like that so somebody gets lost in the mountains because you know when you when you're talking about mountains and you know even in the small mountains of the uk or if it's the himalayas there's a very strong possibility that somebody got misplaced hmm. somebody's lost we don't know where they are and you know even in the himalayas when you see rescue operations you know one guy goes missing not just their family not just the people with them the entire camp the entire base camp is praying at that same time mm. because it's very hard to find somebody in the entirety of snow with a helicopter in the air mm. you know because it might just be that the area you're scanning is a completely wrong area he tried moving to the other side and then tumbled down the mountain on the other end and you're looking at the wrong face of the mountain by the time you go back around he is already like dead buried in the snow yeah you know so when that i think is the future rescue operations etc will become easy i'd say uh, you know a lot of things can happen predictions are obviously difficult you know i'd say that the only thing that is going to happen is that the present technologies will keep getting better and better obviously Uh, you know as spacex and isro and nasa work not not together but for their uh, alongside each other because recently it was announced that isro and nasa are also like collaborating on some project i don't know the exact depth of it mm. but the thing is that you know as we put more and more stuff more and more junk in space it actually ends up one way or the other helping the people on the ground Hmm. so they guide say that you know a lot of technology i i want to believe and i i believe so that a lot of technology and a lot of technological improvements are going to happen with space in mind i'd say because we are reaching a point where we are 7 billion in population it's going to get even more crowded hmm. now as we go forward you know because like if it if it goes that way then we are going to get crowded and we are going to run out of space to build stuff on the ground and then the next frontier is probably space that's what i think hmm. you know all the technology we have right now is going to be either improved on and new technology is going to be built in space i'd say okay so you're you're very much um 
uh, a future looking man that's you, you you think that it's either going to go two ways it's just a gimmick for someone to make more money or nor it's actually going to progress us in to to the future and this yeah. is what we're looking at and uh, do, do you do you think that it will be it's an exciting thing or do you do you think that it, it's it's um we're going to lose some of our roots or that's how we develop as a human race um i'd say that nothing in this world is permanent okay uh, if any because i we have mentioned the word indian a lot of times and i'm probably going to be sending this to my friends so if any indian is going to be listening to this they're going to be thinking ah it's the same spiritual stuff as we say in hinduism nothing is permanent blah 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 but yeah if you think about it dinosaurs came and now they're gone mm. humans came and who knows down the line 300 400 500 years from now where we are going to be if we are even going to live because stephen hawking uh, i don't know how many of you know stephen hawking actually predicted that we have 100 years left to live on the planet the planet is going to be destroyed in the next 100 years no matter what we do mm. you can either now it does it it depends on this you can try going the great athanberg way you can try doing that or you can you can stay closer to reality because you know i'd say that you know the planet we are we are very far away now you can't save the planet the next the, the possible thing is like don't stop elon musk that that is the only plan now because if we stop elon musk everybody's going to die and that is basically the situation now because we want either mars or moon to be our next settlement because before that it's just not going to work in my opinion before going to mars this is my personal opinion uh, i don't want to end up on elon musk's twitter i'm sure your podcast would love to go there <laughs> but i personally don't want to because you know the, the thing the my mindset is a little different from elon my mindset is kind of like let's get to moon first settle set up a base on moon first or side by side to mars Hmm. because by the time we're going to acclimatize mars like earth in that same time we can actually set up a base on moon because moon has water i, I don't know if you know this moon has liquid water the same as earth so it's not that different the climate is not that harsh um, the gravity even though is lesser than mars but it's still okay you know um, we can set up a base on moon way faster than on mars hmm. and moon is we can act as a kind of like an international refueling station or mm. intergalactic refueling station we start from earth you want to go to mars because you see the all if you analyze the flight patterns of all the rovers and orbiters that have gone to mars from earth if you look at nasa's saturn v that took one rotation around the earth and decided to go full guns blazing one fire gets it all india's isro's mangalyaan or mars orbiter mission mom that took a very like a hitman approach like if you if anybody has played hitman games you know it it circulated around the earth so it took one circle and when you come back to the nearest point from earth it actually accelerates when you go away from earth in the same uh, yeah. turn you're decelerating so when they come to the apogee the closest point from earth they accelerate and they accelerate for some time when they're behind mm. the earth 
and when they're closer to the sun they stop accelerating so they gen- got some power uh, they kind of uh, stacked yeah. up little little boosts of power and when they thought mm. the time was right they shot it once and you reached there somehow you know it, it was a longer journey than saturn v but we got there you know if you analyze it that way we if they ha- if we had a moon if we had a base on the moon a refueling station on the moon we wouldn't have to worry about hmm. taking that kind of yeah have, wouldn't have to have the gravita- gravitational assists and stuff to get us to get the speed up yeah you wouldn't have to use hmm. the gravity of earth to gain speed you would have uh, got to the moon then we would have refueled at the moon and then we would have went on to actually go for mars or down the line in the future we can hit further back to into the asteroid belt because i'd say that uh, you know if, if anybody is interested in space you should actually watch that mm. show the expanse uh, it's on amazon prime uh, it's it's great because it shows you what i'm talking about it doesn't have any mention on the moon for some reason I, i'm really appalled by that but other than that they have a settlement they show how humanity can be headed in the next 300 years because the asteroid belt has a lot of resources that over here we pay a lot of money for but if we actually started mining over there in on the belt mm. it would become dirt cheap there's a lot of stuff that that would be dirt cheap you know for example aluminium iron they're they're pretty cheap over here as well but they'll become further mm. cheaper they'll become even cheaper their minerals they have become even cheaper you know that sort of stuff brilliant well i think we'll end it there there was some great stuff we covered yeah so at the end of my podcast i um, i ask a, an ambiguous question um and mm-hmm. basically i say um if you could live off grid for a year anywhere in the world where would you go and what would you do but the caveat to that is you don't have to worry about money uh time and you don't have to worry about your job. So anywhere in the world, off-grid for a year, where would you go and what would you do? Off-grid for a year, anywhere in the world. I would probably actually, given that the house is already built for me and I don't have to build it, uh, I'll probably settle the mountains behind the Kedarnath temple because see this is the thing when the kedarnath floods happened i talked about that 15000 18000 people are still missing if you actually look at the footage of that flood you would be actually be scared how the entire town and not just the town the entire district is named after that kedarnath temple kedar is the name of the peak on which that mountain uh, on that temple is and mm. nath means the protector so protector of kedar that is one of the names of god shiva in hinduism so it was it is a shiva temple the hmm. first thing is that i am a little a little bit religious not a whole lot but a little bit the fact is it is uh, the flood occurred because we are making too many dams over there because you know the world wants us to go green the best way to go green the most efficient way to go green is hydrodynamic electricity it's the, one of the best ways because like if you look about clean clean energy i'd say nuclear is the way to go but then nuclear has nuclear waste which depo- like there is no way to put it where we don't know where to put it but with hydrodynamic dams the northern india is, has like a ton of rivers 
So we decided to use that. But because we built so many dams, one dam came close to overflowing. They had to release the water. So the same thing happened with the next, the next, the next, the next. And the next thing you know, there's a big wave of water coming from behind the uh, temple and it's heading for the temple. The, and after the wave went off, after the flood was done, the entire town, the entire district, everything got wiped but the mm -hmm. temple. If you look at all the survivors in that flood, all the survivors were inside the temple. Anybody outside the temple, dead. Dead. You know? And a lot of people say that this is a divine intervention because if you think about it, when the floods happened, everybody's first thought in their mind is get to mm. the temple. That was the only, the, the one thought in their mind. And, you know, it's a great survivalist place. If you think mm. about that, it's, it's a place where anything happens in the Himalayas, you're always safe at Kedarnath. You know, it's not just spiritual way. If you look at it in that way, when the flood, of, when the water was coming, there was one big boulder that stopped like 30 feet away from the wall of the uh, temple. There is no way it could have stopped there. There's no way it should have stopped there. Yeah. It, if, the, if the boulder stopped at the wall, it could have been theorized that the wall stopped it. What stopped it? Nobody knows. Nobody knows what stopped that boulder, but that boulder was so strategically stopped at the exact point that only the temple would be saved, that the temple where everybody was in there, mm. that would be saved. The rest of the town, gone, like gone. I was in Rudraprayag. I was coming back from Rudraprayag. It's in the way to Kedarnath about eight hours before the entire flood struck. The day I was there, if I if I were able to show you the picture, that picture is my dad's DSLR. It's not in my computer. I would have actually shared my screen then. If I show you the picture of when I was there and literally the next day, hmm. you wouldn't believe what Rudraprayag became. Rudraprayag is basically a small town, like Kasoli is between Delhi and Shimla, kind of like that. It's a small town on the cliffside. And the entire town, just the entirety of the cliff just went straight into the water. The entirety of cliff gone. Yeah, there's everybody in Kedarnath is now in Kedarnath. Everybody below Kedarnath is now below Kedarnath. Hmm. The road, the township, everybody gone into the water, disappeared. Like insane, insane. And you know, the reason I want to go behind that temple is because behind the temple is the big mountain. Hmm. And I want to be either on top of that mountain. So I'm never in case of a flood or anything. If anything happens, I can jump down into the temple. And now I'm good. <laughs> that sort of situation. It's spirituality and spirituality and survival for survival. Yeah. Plus, like the view from there is just brilliant. I I always thought that once I am done with my first year or my even my first semester, when it ends, when I get that small vacation, I'm gonna go there and mm -hmm. I'm going to pray at Kedarnath literally because uh, I uh, this is another. I'm going a little longer on this answer, but. Uh, I recently got into the college of my choice and that too by just making it. The thing was that I needed 95% to get into computer science in this college. I uh, I actually, the, the cutoff was earlier, 97%. It came down to 96.67. 
and then it stopped at 95.67 i scored exactly 95 i was like now what and like um a couple days later i suddenly get the news that it's night at 95 it's the seventh upgradation list the last upgradation list is going to be ninth after that there's going to be no upgradation list you're not going to get in there if you're not going to get in there it got to 95 i was at 95 i didn't get admission i was like i called their admissions i was like what's going on and they said like we are if if two uh, students are at a tie in 95 we actually analyze their numbers in math and then physics if the maths are also the same if their score in math is also the same then we analyze the physics and then after all of that we'll analyze chemistry in the end i thought okay and then i and then it struck me that my in math i got 91 in physics i got 96 but in math i got 91 so on on the second last one in eighth upgradation list i got in i got in oh congratulations so the situation well good effort well i just made it in you did um but doesn't matter because you made it in so did you yeah. just make it in or did you make it in you know you made it in yeah brilliant thank you very much for that much appreciated and um if you want to find your podcast it is a dragon downforce podcast and you can find that on spotify apple and google or just spotify and apple it it is on available on spotify apple and google even stitcher and those people uh, it's also available on amazon music those people who are listening in india it's also available on jio7 even though nobody uses jio7 anymore hardly people use jio7 most of the indians <laughs> have moved to spotify because it's free but if any uh, listeners are on jio7 you can listen uh, soon it's going to be on gaana as well so that that is another indian platform fantastic mate much appreciated Big thank you for Arna for joining us on the Unplugged debate this week. As I said at the start of the podcast, we're looking to get to know our audience better. So please come and join us and let's hear your views as well. Until next time, thanks for listening.